Well, I'd like to thank the worship team for the wonderful work they do every week and preparing us to enter into God's Word. And um, the, the unseen crew, they're behind the scenes and the camera taking care of all of the technical things. And uh, today, I just wanted to say a special shout out and thank you to them. Um, today, we're going to get into some scriptures and we're going to talk about some interesting things, a particular word that um, the Lord has been speaking to me in many cases and speaks to all of us usually. Um, so if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verses 15 and 17. Genesis, chapter 2, verses 15 and 17. Read the following way. Then the Lord took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of knowledge of good and evil... You shall not eat, for in that day you will surely die. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. I pray, Lord God, that today you would speak through me. Father, that you would use me, Father, to communicate the word that you've placed in my heart and that it would fall on fertile ground. Lord, help us today to hear your voice and to follow your commands and instructions for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, the title of our message today is, When God Says No. When God Says No, our favorite word, right? Since the beginning of time, God has set boundaries for mankind to protect us. It wasn't too long after creating the heavens and the earth and all of the things in the garden that God placed two trees in the garden. He gave his first instructions um, to Adam and Eve when he told Adam, hey, um, of everything in the garden you can eat, except of the tree of knowledge. This is the beginning of mankind's challenges with God when he says no. Disobeying a no from God has its consequences. In the case of Adam and Eve, it was the effect to all of us of the fall and to humanity, the consequences of sin, which were expulsion from the garden. It was at this point of disobedience that sickness entered the world. Disease entered the world. Pains entered the world. Suffering came into people's lives. Our problem with God when he says no is not that we question him, but his authority and sovereignty. We question his knowledge and his love for us. Webster's defines the word no this way. It says, is it used as a function word to express the negative of an alternative choice or possibility? In other words, yes is a positive possibility, no is a negative possibility. So from the beginning, since we were born, we are trained that when we hear no, it's a negative thing. We think it's a bad thing. We understand it to be a neg negative thing. So throughout our lives, we go about when we hear no, thinking, hey, that must be bad. However, when God tells us no, it's because it will have a positive outcome in our lives. And let me say that one more time. When God says no to us, it's because it will have a positive outcome in our lives. Sometimes we don't understand how they can be positive. But as we mature in Christ and we begin to understand when God says no to us, it's one of his ways of demonstrating his love for us. Amen? In other words, he uses, he loves us enough to say no to us. He loves us enough to say no to us. From the moment we are born, we are sinful and rebellion. 
And you see even little children, when they're told no right away, they go and try to do what that no thing is that you told them not to do. We love auto-dependency so much that we even challenge our parents and anyone in authority when we hear the word no. In reality, when, we, when no can be an instruction meant to preserve, protect, and guide us, it's like when you tell your child, hey, you, no, don't cross the street, you're actually protecting the child from getting hurt, from dying, from getting killed by a car. And the no is a positive thing for him. It's a positive instruction because it protects him. And that's the way we want to try to look at the word no today. It's from a positive point of view for our lives. Because no, when it comes from God, means that there's a better alternative than the, uh, than the, than the choice that we're trying to make, and he's telling us no too. When God told Adam no, it was supposed to be a good thing. Remember, he told him, don't eat of the tree. And, and what did they do? They would have been in the garden forever. They would have lived forever. None of us would have probably existed. And they, that tree, or maybe we would have, they would have procreated, and we would have, we would have all been living happily in the garden, but they disobeyed the word no. Look at what happened to all of us because of that. Precounseling.org says it this way. It says, our response or reaction to the word no says a lot, a lot about our maturity and our emotional health. If we struggle and react in an unhealthy way when we hear the word no, we might want to evaluate what's happening with our thoughts and emotions. Struggling when we hear the word no can also signal a sense of entitlement. Sometimes we believe if we want something enough and try hard enough that we deserve it. However, that what we desire will not always turn out to be a reality in life. Learning to deal with the reality of life helps us make sense of life. Oftentimes, a negative reaction to the word no indicates a need to be in control of a situation. So when, when somebody says no and you react negatively to it, it's because you feel like you've lost control of something. Sometimes when hearing the word no, we can exp experience an emotional response such as anger, anxiousness, or frustration. This emotional response can indicate that we believe everything would work out better if the person saying no would simply obey our demands. And I got all of that that I just read um, from the website, psychology.org. I think I said pre-counseling, I'm sorry, pre-counseling.org. Um, that's where we got that definition from. There are many examples of God giving no as an answer in the Bible. In today's cases and for this study, we are going to look at cases where no is the answer or no can mean an instruction to not do something. We will also look at four tests that the word no exposes. So when we are told no by God, it exposes or demands four answers of us in these areas. The first test that the word no exposes is that no is a test of obedience. Amen? No is a test of obedience. That's the first point. We go to 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 1 through 3 for that. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. And we'll read together. It says, Sam, Then Samuel said to the Lord, The Lord sent me to anoint you as king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore listen to the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he set, how he set himself against him on the way while he was coming up from Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has. 
and do not spare him. Put him to death, both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Specific instructions were, do not keep anything of what they have. Kill and destroy everything. The word was no to keeping the potty, as they would say. In this case, Saul was told not to keep anything of the spoil of the Amalekites. You see, in those days when people went to war, they kept everything they owned from the enemy. So they would go into war, they would, they would fight with the enemy, and when they, were, when they would win, they were entitled to all of the things that belonged to the enemy, all of their, all of their fields with, with all the crops in it, all of the things that they owned in terms of gold and silver, um, any weapons that they might have belonged to the people that won, and even women and children were kept also um, to use as slaves, and whatever it was, they were entitled to anything. But in this particular case, God said, no, you can't keep any of those things. I want them to be totally destroyed. This violation to the word no from God took place 600 years before Christ. And it had such a devastating effect upon the Jews and humanity. If you remember in the book of Esther, which took place 200 and something years later, so 200 years passed, since the time um, Saul did not destroy the Amalekites until Esther was, um, was in, the, in the palace. And we, and we find that who was the person that was trying to kill the Jews? It was Haman the Agagite. Haman was a descendant of Amalek. Amalek was the person that Saul was supposed to utterly destroy. And it gets even better. If you see the people that were involved in this, you find Esther and Mordecai. Esther and Mordecai were descendants of Saul himself. So his disobedience to God affected his family for generations to come. Had he destroyed the Amalekites, his descendants, who were Mordecai and Esther, would not be suffering, and all of the Israelites, of course, would not be suffering uh, persecution the way they were in the times of Esther. He needed to destroy all the people, and if you dig even deeper into that, you'll find the lineage of the Amalekites even to this day where they were the people that should have been destroyed and are creating worldwide chaos. And I'll leave that study up to you guys, amen? So that was our first point. It's that no is a test of obedience. No is a test of will you obey what I'm asking you to do even though there's temptation for you to benefit from what I'm telling you to, to, to not do. The second test is that no is a test of trust. No is a test of trust, and we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 9. It reads, Because of the surpassing greatness of revelations, of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. And this is Paul speaking now. Amen. A messenger of Satan to torment me. To keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored of the Lord three times that it might leave me. So Paul was asking the Lord, hey, take away this thing from me because it's, I just can't deal with it anymore. And the response that the Lord had to, to Paul was, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected. My power is perfected in your weakness. In this example, we find that Paul had a particular thing that bothered him, and he was trying to get rid of it. We don't know what it was, if it was a thorn in his side, if it was 
uh, a temptation that he was dealing with or a particular illness or a struggle. We don't know what it was. The, idea, the, the, the concept of it, it's not what it was. It's that whatever it was, God was saying no, he wasn't going to take it away from him. And God went farther and said, I'm leaving it there for you because that thing that you have will help you draw closer to me. So I'm not going to remove it. So whatever it was, it kept Paul at the altar. And Paul responds, hey, this is, and this is the way Paul responds. Paul says, hey, my, my, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. So Paul needed this thing in his side so that God could be stronger in him. And Paul recognized that instead of fighting it, instead of resisting God, instead of being upset at God and mad at God for not bringing that pain that he had or that particular thing to pass. Whatever it was, it kept Paul dependent on God. Maybe God hasn't removed the thorn in your side today. Maybe God hasn't answered that prayer with the word yes that you might be looking for. I encourage you to follow Paul's example and keep trusting. Stay at the altar and let his power be made perfect in your weakness. Amen? Let his power be made perfect in your weakness. My third point is that, that no is a test of faith. No is a test of faith, and we're going to go to the book of Daniel for that, to a story that we're all familiar with, with Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, and the Bendigo. And in Daniel chapter 3, verse 19, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar filled with wrath, and his facial expression was changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He answered by giving orders that the furnace be heated seven times. And you know the story. Um, um, he heats up the oven, and he gets Shadrach, Meshach. If they don't bow down to this image, they're all going to be thrown into the, into the furnace of fire. And what happens? They get thrown into the furnace. They say, no, we're not going to bow down. We're going to obey what God says. Amen. And we're going to let our faith be tested in this. So they didn't bow down, and what did they do? They came out of the fire, and they weren't even touched to the point where Nebuchadnezzar was impressed greatly by what God had done. God had said, to, God has said do not serve other gods. These were the instructions that God had given them. In today's society, it's difficult to serve God openly and faithfully when the world is constantly putting pressure on us to live in a secular way. And it's the same thing that was happening in Daniel's time. See, they were trying to secularize the world. They were telling the people to live in a particular way in Babylon, which is where this um, event occurred. They were trying to uh, make the people live a very secular lifestyle, worshiping other gods. But God said, no, you can't have other gods besides me. So in, in today's world, we have the same pressures as Daniel did, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did in, in Babylon. Aren't we looked at weird when we oppose abortions? Aren't we criticized when we oppose homosexuality or gender neutrality or bring other things into question that question our morality? Aren't we looked upon and, and, and avoided by people because of how we believe certain things? These are the same things Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, were persecuted for. And it's not different in today's society. So we get tested every day. This is a test. Remember, no is a test of faith also. Will you stand up to what's biblically right in light of the persecution that we face every day in this world? We get rejected by society and even our friends, and we can find that now this is a, we're in a culture now where, where the church is against the church because of different political reasons, and the church is against the church. Brothers and sisters are against each other because one group of brothers and sisters interprets the Bible this way, 
Another one understands it to mean this, but there's only one way to interpret it. It's the morally correct way of God. It's not, uh, the word of God doesn't change. It's not fluid where today it means this and tomorrow it means that. The world wants us to make it fluid. The world wants us to progress with it. We call them progressive Christianity where it just uh, evolves into something new according to the culture of the day. So we get tested when we don't evolve with it. It's demanded of us to fit into the society that we go along with it. And it's what Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. Hey, we're not going along with this because it's not right. And even if it's going to cost us our lives, then then we just can't go with it. So the Lord said, no, don't bow down to it, but he's going to bring a test your way that's going to challenge you saying no. Are you going to agree to things that you know are morally bad? When God is saying no to them, or are you going to trust God, regardless of how they treat you at work or at school or wherever you're going in your community, because of you're going you're to stand on your convictions. You're going to stand firmly on the word of God and know that, that I will not fail this test. I am going to say no to this because God has told me, no, I can't live like this. Amen? So we, we support the world. When we, when we bow down to these things, we're supporting the world and showing signs of distrust in God. We're saying, hey, God, you don't have it right. Maybe it's okay because I can, the example, the, the example that I have that's, that's very like, um, um, prevalent now is the one with homosexuality where they, they say, oh, but we love them. Hey, we, we don't say we don't love them, but it's the act of it that's a sin. It doesn't make it right. You, we, we're, we're told to love everyone, and, and that's what love is, is to love everyone regardless of what they do, sinners included. But when we adapt to that culture because we want to be accepted and it goes against the word of God, then that's when we fail the test. That's when we we go against what God has told us. That's when we go against his no. We fail him every time we say no and submit to the world. So number three is no is a test of faith. And my final point today is no is a test of love. No is also a test of love. And we're going to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 36 through 39. Matthew 26, verses 36 through 39. And we're all familiar with the scripture also. It says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me, he said. After going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, and here's what he asked God. He says, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine. And you know what the answer was. In this case, God said no to his own son. Jesus knew what he was about to go through, and the weight and the pressure of it was unbearable to him. The agony, the pain, the suffering, on top of all the sins of the world were about to be put upon Jesus. God said no to Jesus, his plea to remove these things from him. Jesus was pleading with him, please don't let me go through this. Please take this away from me. It's too much for me to bear. And God said, no, you're going to go through this. 
By saying no to his son, he exposed Jesus to humiliation. He exposed them to shame. He exposed them to despair. And he exposed them to loneliness. Have any of us felt that way when God tells us no? Have we felt abandoned? Have we felt alone? Have we felt shame or despair? Because God's telling us no, and it just feels so horribly bad when we're secluded and isolated. God, please help me in this. And he just says no to us. But let me tell you something. God said no to his own son, and God didn't spare him from all of the pain. And today, if God is telling you no on something, you need to trust him. We need to believe that his no is going to get us a better response. Jesus felt lonely and abandoned. It was all of these feelings and emotions that God exposed his son to. Yet because of his love for the world, because he loved the world so much, he did not submit to an emotional response and say, okay, Jesus, we're going to make this easy on you. We're just going to bring you home, and we're going to call it a day. No, he said, no, you're going to go through this. And today you and I are benefiting from the results of God saying no to Jesus. He knew what the consequences would be for all of mankind had Jesus not gone to the cross. Sometimes we must take the hard, difficult, and painful road of life for love, for the love of God to reflect in us. It's a hard road sometimes in life. Sometimes we want this, we want that. God, give me an answer. God, give me a husband. God, give me a wife. God, I don't want to be alone. I'm looking for a partner for a relationship. And we find that person and, and, and we ask God, God, is this okay? But we give God very little chance to, to respond because what we're trying to do is coach God into saying yes to what we want. And I've said this before. Humans are the only creatures of creations of God that are able to lie to themselves. So we're very capable and very good at telling ourselves yeses because we want the yes when God says no because we need the no. So when you're trying to get into that relationship and you're so stuck on that's the person that you want and, 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 and God is saying no, 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 but you're saying yes, 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 you convince yourself to think that your yes is God's yes. But in reality, it's God's no because the person that you're trying to connect with doesn't even line up with Scripture. The Bible says don't be equally yoked, for example. I was just told by somebody the other day, a person who loves the Lord, and he says, hey, I've got a new girlfriend. Please pray for me. I said, great. What church does she go to? Oh, she doesn't go to church. And I'm saying, well, there's a problem there. And what's the problem? I said, well, you're unequally yoked. And he said, well, I don't see it that way. I said, well, just look at the word of God. And he convinced, he was trying to convince me to go along with what he was thinking was right, to, to, to be able to do that. I said, no, you can't convince me of that because I read the word and it just says otherwise to me. But he's convinced already and he believes and he gave me reasons why God was saying yes to this. And I was like, okay, but that's what we do sometimes as humans. We're able to tell God, yes, 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 until we're blue in the face. And eventually we think that he's saying yes, but what he does is he steps back and he says, well, you're going to do it your way anyway. I can't force you to do this. And we wind up suffering the consequences of resisting the no when we hear it from God. And we have many other examples in the Bible. David, when he had, when he, when he had the baby with Bathsheba, he fasted and prayed and said, Lord, save the child. And what did the Lord say? No, I'm not saving him. The Lord took him away. We have also Balaam, when Balaam was told to go prophesy against the Israelite, God said no. 
And what happened when he tried to go? He had a donkey speak to him. Amen. God told Moses, hit, um, speak to the rock. Don't strike the rock. And Moses hit the rock instead. And what happened? God said, no, you cannot enter the promised land. And all of the examples of the great men of God that we know that God said no to, like Moses, we find that these men never got critical of God and never once spoke anything bad against them. In Joseph's case, Joseph was in prison for how many years? And he was imprisoned wrongfully. And, he, and God just kept saying, no, I can't let you out of here because I'm preparing you to, to save my people later on. And that's the encouragement that I have for all of us today. It's that no is really a positive word. When God says no to us, it's because it's going to have a great outcome in our lives. And I'm not saying I've got this thing down because sometimes I, I fight with God and I say, Lord, what's going on? Please, please let me do this. Please, I want to do this. And, and, and God is saying no, and I try to convince him. So I'm, I'm with that. I'm there. I'm, I'm, I'm just like everybody else, I would say. But I'm, I have to learn to submit. I have to embrace the emotional response that I don't go negatively on the no because the no is going to be, the no really means it's a good thing for me. The no really means it's a good thing for you. So I don't know what you're praying for. I don't know what you're dealing with or what you've been asking the Lord to give you an answer on. But if he's telling you no, then embrace the no. And if he hasn't given you an answer, it doesn't mean that he's saying yes. A lot of people say, well, I haven't heard from him, so I'm just going to go ahead and do this. If you're really seeking the Lord, then it, it doesn't, and he hasn't answered, um, a, a no answer isn't a, isn't a yes. Amen? A no answer is maybe wait and pray more. So today I would encourage us that as God is saying no to us, that we can embrace it and that we could learn to trust him in every area of our life because no is a test of faith, no is a test of obedience, no is a test of love, and no is a word that God uses to demonstrate his great love for us because he cares for us and wants to keep us safe. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you because you love us enough to say no. And we thank you, Lord, that you've protected us throughout our lives. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that we can hear your voice clearly when you say no, and that you re remove the rebellion from us, Lord, that will allow us, Lord, to embrace the no and not be against it, Father. Lord, when you say no, we want it to be a loving no and that we could embrace it and know that, that the outcome is going to be better for us. And Father, we, we, we ask that you help us, Lord, and that you train us and that you keep us and, and that you don't give up on us, Father, that keep saying no even when we don't want to hear it because we know you love us. I pray for all of the people today that are struggling and that are waiting for an answer on something. And if God is saying no, Father, I pray, if you're saying no, I pray that you give them the grace to wait on you. Give them the grace to wait on you. Praise the Lord. We love you, Lord. We worship your name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. And hopefully by the time we get to hear this, uh, we'll all be happier hearing God say no to us. Amen.